Hello and welcome to another episode of Victor's Corner. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, one half of the Codex Prime podcast, and it is Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. I am live in the Zoom studios, and I am joined by a dear friend of the show, uh, making her third appearance uh, on the Codex Prime podcast. Well, technically first appearance on the on Victor's Corner. Um, she yeah. is the awesome Angela Marindola. Welcome back, Angela. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me, Vic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, you know, as, as I was doing this uh, Victor's Corner, like in the like the past few weeks, uh, since Carl's currently on his hiatus, you know, I've had a couple couple friends of the show reach out to me, and I've you know they said, hey, can I be a guest? I'm like, sure. And I'm like, you know what? Since I had some people reach out to me, why don't I reach out to Angela? Because it's been a while since we've uh, you know last seen each other. Yeah, I no, it's been a very long time. I think we. It's for sure the NXT show at URI was the last time I Mm. saw you and Carl. So that's uh, considering that was like a crowd and something fun to do outside of your home, probably a very Mm. long time ago. But uh, so, yeah, Yeah. it's been it's been a minute, but I'm I'm happy to uh, to be back and to kind of uh, I'm going to like pretend like I'm Carl tonight. I'm going to like take his his seat i'm gonna co-host so um although i do miss him but yeah so i'm, I'm really looking forward to it oh yeah absolutely as a, a, me too and you know like you know this episode you know we're gonna be t- talking about all of our you know some of our favorite films that we've watched this year you know since uh you know since we're in the midst of a pandemic um still and even though that there is thankfully light at the end of, end of the tunnel with these upcoming vaccines um you know we've spent you know the pretty much the whole year, you know, uh, st- you know, hold up indoors at home, you know, watching movies upon movies upon movies, as many as we can get into. So we'll get into some of our favorite films that were released this year in 2020, as well as a bunch of uh, pre-2020 films that we watched for the, fr- for the first time this year. And, you know, kind of throw some recommendations uh, to each other and to our, our viewers and listeners. And, uh, you know, just uh, see where the discussion takes us and see which, you know, recommendations come our way. So uh, with that, uh, Angela, I'll give the floor to you first. Um, what are some films that yeah. uh, that, that uh, you enjoyed the most this year? So, okay. I, so I made, like... Or I had like it was like a soft goal, like when like at least during the pandemic while we we're all home, that I was going to try to watch at least like a few new to me movies a week, and I and I accomplished that. So I think my like final tally was about like it's been about like seventy two movies that I've watched, but some some are repeats, some were like tried and true favorites that I've seen a million times and just like needed to be comforted by them, and some were were new to me I don't know actually when I was like looking through my list I think there might only be like a couple of movies that I saw that were maybe released in 2020 so what I can remember is that uh I think like a week before we started to like actually acknowledge uh, the coronavirus. Um, I went to Avon Cinema and I saw uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Have you mm-hmm. seen that, Vic? Yes, I have. I've seen that recently on Hulu. Oh, recent. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I saw that at Avon and it was kind of like a, a whim type of 
thing, which is like usually when Avon just has movies, I just go and see them because they're I usually enjoy them and they're usually pretty good. Uh, but so that was the last movie I saw in this theater. And I actually think it's my favorite movie that I've seen all year. I would say nothing has really come close to it. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. What did you think of it? Um, I, I I was very intrigued by it. Um, I I, I, mm. I, like, I liked the um, first of all I liked I liked it visually. Like the cinematography was quite gorgeous. Um, yeah. I, and I and I also liked the, um, the the subtle and gradual you know build of the relationship between the two uh, ca- characters. Um, it mm-hmm. was it, it it was it was like um it was definitely like a very like subtle and kind of like a like almost like a low key drama that didn't you know delve into like you know histrionics or like uh like cliched you know moments of you know oh will they or won't they like it it felt everything felt very natural and organic and i was like hmm like i'm not sure where this is going but i want to see where this goes yeah Yeah, i i felt the same way because i got (laughs) i got the feeling it's like this could be really boring and like kind of sleepy and there actually isn't tons of dialogue but it's really not either of those things like it's so good and so like folks who aren't familiar it's a french film and it basically like tells the story of this woman who was like commissioned to paint a portrait of this woman who's about to be married and they're both pretty young um and so the the painter and the the subject uh essentially they fall in love And it's, like, ill-fated, of course, because it's the 1700s. You can't be a lesbian and uh, certainly not if you're about to get married to a man. And um, so it has, like, that kind of, like, tale as old as time where, like, you really love somebody but can't be with them because they're getting married or because you're gay and it's France and it's the 1700s or, you know, that that whole scheme. And so where it seems like it could be like just like like a cliched story, I think it did a really beautiful job of just like building their relationship. And what I really loved about it, like especially those kind of stories in general, the like ill-fated romance, I always kind of wonder like what the longevity is of that those emotions. Like does it transcend years? Like even if you once you stop seeing someone and once they've like married somebody and had kids. And I think that, Portrait of a Lady on Fire does a really like beautiful job of showing that there is a lot of longevity in those, or there can be. Um, mm. Like when you meet your soulmate, you can still love them for years after they've already moved on, uh, moved on like maybe physically, but certainly not emotionally. Th- this movie, when I saw it, I uh, it like it didn't make you cry Vic it made me like like ugly silent cry in the theater I was just like this is so wow. fucking sad and mm. like really beautiful and I'm just like so touched by it and I remember thinking about it for like days after I couldn't even stop talking about it and I just like told everyone like you have to see this I don't even know if you'll like it but it is like mm. amazingly romantic and and uh I think really just well done and like you said, it's a really, really beautiful movie to look at. But I think that that was that sadness was like an interesting way to kick off like the pandemic mm. year of like, OK, we're going to start off with a really sad movie and then just can continue going in that direction. Mm. So that was like the first 
the, the, or the last movie that I saw in the theater. Um, I know that I, I saw Peanut Butter Falcon at some point, too, but I can't remember if it was 2020. Um, I know I saw, and like regrettably so now, I saw quite a few Shia LaBeouf movies actually throughout all of this. I think I've seen three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know after seeing uh, Portrait, the first movie I watched during my quarantine was Honey Boy. And that was also really depressing and intense and like strange. And so it really, I, I was like punishing myself for something, I guess. I, I'm not really sure what. Uh, but did you see that one, Vic? It seemed I like did. you have. I did see Honey Boy. Yeah, I saw it on uh, Amazon, yeah. Amazon Prime. And, you know, I, I know it was like, um, like autobiography kind of like autobiographical because Shia LaBeouf uh, reportedly he wrote the script while he was in rehab and so like um it's yeah. like depicting uh, a version of his of his troubled childhood as a child actor with his abusive father and then it like um mm-hmm. also there's also a parallel um storyline with him in the present day played by Lucas Hedges um who's also an interesting actor in his own right he's I like those meaty like de- the yet depressing dramas that he takes that roles that he takes like um um Manchester by the Sea and Waves. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I thought I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. If if only maybe maybe perhaps a little uh, self indulgent. If only because you know, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's it's not, it's not it can't really be avoided because he like he wrote it in rehab. You know, he's like you know speaking his truth. But you know, I thought I thought it was a really interesting performance by Shia LaBeouf. You know, playing that aversion of his abusive dad and like someone who's like very resentful and bitter because like, you know, even his son tells him that, look, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's keeping you around, you know, I'm the one who's paying you. And even though his, his father resents that deeply, he's like, well, shit, you're right, boy. (laughs) But yeah. So yeah. yeah. I, I also watched it on Amazon and I thought it was funny. Vic, I don't know if you saw their like their auto trailer for it like when you click on it and the the trailer pops up they literally make it seem like it's like the hipster dark comedy of the century like they there's in honey boy like even in i think portrait of a lady on fire there were like some funny moments despite it being like a very just like kind of dark and sad and like you know melancholy tone there's literally nothing funny in honey boy at all and that trailer like if anyone's curious should watch the trailer because the amazon trailer literally made it seem like a comedy and it is so just the complete opposite i forget what the first scene the first scene i remember being like really intense it's like some type of like i think like physical abuse i have no idea but it was yeah it's a really really intense movie but he he does a good job um with that content Mm. although like now i'm I'm just feeling bad about it. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've seen so many Shia LaBeouf movies. He's such a piece of shit. And I just really yeah. like his movies, uh, unfortunately. So I, I need to think about that. Um, mm. But yeah, I remember that being the first, my first quarantine movie. And then thinking uh, that I needed to do something a little bit more like lighthearted. And I think I think the second movie that I ended up watching was completely random. Mm-hmm. Uh, called The Unicorn Store. Oh, is that with uh, Brie Larson? It sure is. Did you see that? You know, I did see it, and like I respect what it was going for, but it just it it, it didn't put any toot in my horn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I 
also loved the way it looked. Like, I literally just saw the, like, the poster for it, and I was like, oh, this looks like something that I might like, like, kind of, like, kitschy and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love her so much, and I like Samuel L. Jackson and everything. Oh, yeah. uh, what made me like it, I would have been like so pissed and when did this come out I actually have because I how do we feel about like spoilers I feel like if you haven't watched oh it came out in 2017 yeah so spoilers are okay right Vic spoilers yeah Yeah. spoilerish you know you know yeah well what I liked about the film is that the like Brie Larson's character isn't like a crazy person. Like everything that she's like experiencing or thinks is happening, at least by like, you know, without digging too deeply mm-hmm. is probably happening. And I like that. It reminded me, although definitely not as good of a movie um, as uh, safety, not guaranteed. Have well, you seen that Vic with I, Aubrey Plaza, Mark Duplass? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Oh, man, it's literally, I think, I mean, I, I say this all the time because I have, like, a flair for <laughs> exaggeration. I seriously love that movie so much. It's got to be, like, one of my favorite movies, man, of, like, the last time. I don't even know what time is, but maybe depending on when it came out, like, five, six, seven years. It's so good. It's so good because it's exactly kind of, like, in that, like, similar vibe of Unicorn Store where you're like, is this person just like kind of crazy? Like, are they, what is the metaphor here? And then of course there can always be the metaphor, but like what feels really satisfying to me is when it's not a metaphor, like what they say is happening is actually happening and true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in unicorn store, it's essentially like Brie Larson wanting to adopt a unicorn. And so she happens upon this unicorn store and like has to do these things to be able to like, get her unicorn and it's really it sounds weird and it is a little weird um but it's it's i mean i i liked it i don't think it was like the greatest movie of that ilk but i certainly found it non-offensive and very fun especially for uh pandemic times i think it was like a good movie to see so yeah that that one um it's like a new to me one, but I think that that is a few years old. And then my other favorite. Oh yeah, I think we we talked. Did we? Oh no, we never. So I had like a whole list. I'm not, of course, going to go through like every single movie that I saw. But um, oh, Hunt for Wilder People. Did you see that, Vic? I, I did. feel like we. I did an absolute. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that was yeah. that movie's old, and I just I just saw it this summer, or this fall rather. Oh yeah, Hunt for the and that's... oh Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, it is awesome. It, it came out in twenty sixteen, I think. Yeah, that's oh, been a while. Yeah, Taika Waititi directed, uh, starring uh, Sam Neill and that and that young boy. I forget his name. He he was in Deadpool too recently. Um, yeah, that that was a fun movie. Yeah, that, that was a really fun movie. I really enjoyed that. A movie that I've seen during the pandemic. Um, it's, it's like just really funny and like really feel good. And it's kind of like, you know, that coming of age thing. And I mean, Sam Neill is so awesome. Like mm. he's, he's the, he's the best. Uh, and, and, so, and I, I, I mean, I can't think of 
a movie that like Tiger's done that's been bad. Like I feel like he's just like the best and he puts out the best. Like Jojo Rabbit was fucking dope. And yeah. like just ev- everything that he does is just really really like funny and interesting and unique and so and i had never even heard of that movie and i felt really ashamed because i i do like everything he does and i was like what the heck is this and like read about it on some list like oh yeah like i should totally i should totally watch that and my friend joe and i watched it and like he loved it too and i was like yeah this is like a good cosign because i think some people with like that kind of humor that kind of story don't really it could go either way right like it could be like a little hit or mess just with the the New Zealandy type of humor, but I, um, yeah, I loved it. I thought that was great. And so I would, if for those of you keeping track at home, if you're looking for movies that are going to make you feel really good and not really sad, mm-hmm. that's a really good one. That's a good one to choose. Cause you will come away feeling like pretty happy at the end. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine, but yeah, no, that was, that was a good one. I, um, I was happy to have found it. But I think, honestly, did Knives Out come out in 2020, Vic? Uh, it came out last year. Um, did last it come November. out last year? Yep. Yep. I think I maybe slept on 2020 cinema. I'm thinking, like, I, I, I'm i not sure if a lot of the... What What are some good 2020 movies that you saw um, that came out this year? Oh, yeah, there, there's definitely a bunch. Um, before I get into that, uh, Carl's in the comments. He says, hi, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so yeah there's there's actually plenty of uh, good films that came out this year and um it's uh and you know it's one of those things where it's like you know even though cinemas are closed like like netflix and like even amazon prime and even hulu they've stepped their game up considerably in terms of like uh, good offerings and uh, mm. what and one of my favorite films this year uh, is my zoom background for this week it's uh mank uh which is on uh, yep which is on netflix it just came out um uh, last last friday and it's uh it stars gary oldman he plays uh, herman mankowitz he who was the uh co-screenwriter of citizen kane uh, with orson wells um and the movie's directed by david fincher and interestingly uh, uh interestingly mank uh, was written by his late father jack fincher who passed away in 2003 but uh his father wrote the screenplay like like decades ago i think in like the 70s or 80s and uh-huh. and uh, david fincher tried for years to bring uh, this project off the ground and after he after he fulfilled his obligations with uh, Mindhunter, uh, Netflix asked him what he wanted to do next and he said he wanted to do mank and it's a really interesting film because like one, I, I absolutely love, like, just, like, the from the technical standpoint, I really love the the, the emulation of that classic uh, 40s uh, and even 50s uh, cinematography and that and that whole aesthetic. Because um, the film takes place in, like, the late 30s, but but it also but it's also shot in widescreen, like, uh, 2.35 aspect ratio. Um, and even down to the camera movements and even down to the sound mixing, like, the all of, all of the dialogue sounds like it was recorded, uh, like from from a 40s early 40s movie so it has that mono so it's like all recorded on like a mono track and I think uh, the mm-hmm. the the sound of a producer has actually recorded all, all the dialogue using analog um, equipment so when you're listening to like Gary Oldman or Amanda Seyfried or other other uh, the other characters in the film uh, you know speak 
it all sounds like it's all 80 yard like they recorded it in a studio and you can kind of hear like a faint echo when they speak even though that even though they're like out, outdoors so it has so it really emulates that 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 style and it's, it, it it takes a, it takes a little bit getting used to especially if that's not what you're expecting but it's but it's actually yeah. it's actually done really well and and Gary Oldman, like he's just one of the one of the greatest actors uh, in the last thirty years. Like even even when he chews up a scene a scene like a piece of ham, like he's still brilliant. And and like yeah. and like his like his portrayal of Herman Mankiewicz is like you know someone who's like pretty much fueled on booze, and you know like he's like he's gonna get this script done by hook or by crook. And 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 and, and the cast is very interesting too. Like you have uh, Charles Dance who plays William Randolph Hearst who you know, was the main uh, inspiration uh, for Charles Foster Kane. Um, you have Amanda Seyfried, who played Marion Davies, who was his uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, main um, mistress. And uh, I really liked uh, some of her scenes with uh, with Gary Oldman. Um, like the the film itself, like it's. It, it it does it does play upon that um that now discredit that long discredited um. Uh, a bit of a bit of history that uh, that Pauline Kael tried to propagate with her book Raising Cain that oh Herman Mankiewicz was the sole writer of Citizen Kane and or- Orson Welles didn't write anything which was largely disproved but this film that, because it makes for a more dramatic piece um, it, it, it does portray Herman Mankiewicz as a sole writer of Citizen Kane and 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 you see and 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 the film itself it kind of kind of shows like you know. Um, the whole film's like kind of like a, a, a like a tug of war between Herman Mankiewicz, the artist, and you know how how much he wants to, you know, how how much how how much he doesn't want to be controlled or be viewed as oh just a dancing monkey, you know oh like I keep you I, like there's a scene where where um William Randolph Hearst like speaks to speaks to Mank and he tells him, you know Mank I keep you around you know not because not necessarily because like you're you're smart which you are not because you're talented which you are i keep you around because i like the way you talk and and mankiewicz you know, he's like he's kind of like a, a he's kind of a bit of a progressive you know in, in his day and you know he's um and, and you know he tries to fight this the studio machine um but at the end of the day like you know he he has to acknowledge that he is kind of like a, a cog a spoke on the wheel you know, no matter how much he tries to like fight for his individuality, and it's a very interesting, you know, a take on you know like the like the clash between art and commerce, and and you see that through his character, and, and it's just a, it's just a brilliant film, and and I and I especially love the 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 musical score uh, by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, like the like the whole score is like as a pure um, emulation of you know, uh, 40s and early, late 30s, like early 40s film scores, like that classical, like brassy uh, uh, instrumentation, orchestration, it's, it's, it's beautifully done. Um, and if you have Spotify, I recommend listening to mm. the score as well. So yeah, check out Mank. It's definitely one of my favorites this year. Very well done. I didn't even realize that there was controversy about who wrote Citizen Kane or who was like the primary person on that film. like I I don't know a lot about that movie so like if you don't care about Citizen Kane why should you watch that movie yeah like I th- yeah pretty much I'm not saying I don't <laughs> I, I, I started film class in high school and uh it was like 
the, the last movie that we watched for the year. And they're like, this is like considered to be like one of the greatest movies of all time. And it was good. I've never seen it since. I do remember it very well, but um, never. And like, of course, like it's been spoofed a million times uh, in pop culture and, and whatnot. But yeah, like, I'm just curious, because like, if you don't care about that story or like aware of it, what makes it interesting to, to want to see? Mm. Yeah, I think that like to get the most out of it, like you definitely have to have like probably have seen. Yeah, I think like you, like you to get the most out of it, like you have to have seen Citizen Kane. Um, and and like the more you know about about that film and um, and 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 like the and the key players, like the more, the more the richer the experience would be. Um, but also like you can even you can either you can also like enjoy the film somewhat on its own merits too just like just like for the the the, the acting and like all of the technical uh bits um but but yeah like but like i said it, it is historical fiction because it, it does play with a more interesting um an interesting narrative that you know oh herman Mankiewicz is like the the one the sole writer of this of this one of the greatest films of all time, even though, even though reality was like him and him and Orson Welles did work on the script. Um, like, they, like they had, like they had their own versions and, and then they combined like the combined the two to see like which ones, which elements worked and which didn't. Um, so, so like, uh, so like I said, like when, when Pauline Kale uh, wrote her raising, raising Kane book, like it was largely discredited over the years. So, you know, it was kind of it was it was basically like a, a hit job against Orson Welles for whatever reason, um, but yeah, wow. it's it's definitely worth watching. And I, and I and I dare and I also uh, would recommend revisiting Citizen Kane as well because that's it, it's a flawless film. It really is. Citizen Kane is what I think of when I think of Criterion Collection. I think of Citizen Kane. I think that's the number one, <laughs> like in that in that whole collection. I think I think Citizen Kane is it. I will watch it again. I remember, like, I, like it's one, it was one of those things where, like, I saw it because we had to watch it, and I was glad that I saw it because I had heard, obviously, so much about it. Uh, but just, and I'm glad that I got around to it then because I don't know if I ever would have gotten around to it because sometimes I, like, sleep on really popular movies that everyone has seen, mm-hmm. which is just... I mean, I'm sure everyone has, like, those movies that they, like, know that they should have seen or, have, like, it's are hugely popular, but they just haven't. Like, weirdos haven't seen Star Wars, and then they, like, wear it like some fucking badge of honor. Yeah. Um, but, like, for me, like, it would have been Citizen Kane if I hadn't watched it in high school. Actually, this summer, I watched two movies that I had never seen before that I absolutely should have seen mm-hmm. okay. before now. Okay. Um, and one was Remember the Titans, mm. uh, which I can't believe I had never seen because, like, I love I love sports movies. So does my mom. And we watch them a lot. And I just I don't know how I missed the boat, but I really did. And the second one. And I don't really know how this happened, but I just had never seen Scarface. And then this summer I was like, I should. watch. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, I've never yeah. seen it. And it just feels weird that I hadn't seen it. But like also trivia i had never seen the matrix until like a year ago and that doesn't any sense i know victor i'm so sorry and why that is weird because like i don't really like it just doesn't make any sense i don't even know i i don't know what was happening at the time it came out and why i didn't see it especially because like my love for keanu reeves is enduring and like 
very widely known and I've seen everything. I've even seen the new Bill and Ted, but I had not seen the Matrix until a year ago. And uh, yeah, but I liked all those movies. Like, so I was like, you know, if for some, well, we weren't watching Scarface in high school. Maybe if it was mandatory, we would have. Um, but it, I was like, wow, I really should like be more on the ball about this kind of stuff. But I, 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 I did, I did like it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, don't take my word for what you should be watching um, and why you should care about it, because I'm obviously not that <laughs> great at like keeping up. But yeah, Citizen Kane's great. Remember the Titans is great. But you already know that because you all seen it. Mm-hmm. Scarface, I'm sure. Um, everyone has seen that except for me. And I think my sister watched it with me, and it was her first time too. But she's five years younger than me, so she's not as pathetic. Uh, but the next movie that I want to see that's in the same realm and the same category is Taxi Driver because I've never seen that either, and I'm also really sorry about that. Oh, oh no, no, don't be. Like, I'm I'm actually glad that you're that you're seeing these films for the first time. Like, these are discoveries. Like, th- this is that's actually really cool because like um like like those, like those aff- those aforementioned films are, are are great, but also Taxi Driver. Oh my gosh, that's for me. That's my, that's actually my favorite Martin Scorsese film. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's an absolute classic Robert De Niro as Travis Bickle, you know, you know, God's lonely man. Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's such a wonderful time capsule too. Um, it's just seeing like seventies or mid to late seventies, New York city and just how much of a shithole it was back in the day. And like, you seeing like the red light district and, you know, just prostitutes like walking up and down the neon lit streets of Times square. And it was just like, Man, it, it, it was it was such it was such it was such a such a sumptuous, seedy, uh, uh, repul- somewhat repulsive but yet alluring uh, time capsule of the city at the time, and and also Martin Scorsese, like and and Paul Schrader who wrote the scripts, like it, it was just a. Uh, an incredible work and, and Robert De Niro, you know, definitely the, one of those performances that put him on the map. Um, I also love the, and I'm, I'm also like a big, like a film score guy. So I, I love, I love the score by Bernard Herman it has that, that jazz, that jazz infused theme. And that was actually his final uh, film score before he passed. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a wonderful film. It's got, a, it's got a good, great cast besides De Niro. It's got Harvey Keitel. It's got Peter Boyle. It has a 12 a, a year old Jodie Foster, who plays a a, a a kid prostitute? Um, and like none of her scenes are explicit. Like you, it doesn't. The film doesn't go there. But just seeing her like, uh, like just seeing her on screen like that young like and being as good as she was, it's like man. Like you could tell like some actors. You could tell like they just got. They just have it. And and man, it's it's definitely an amazing film. Um, and especially if you're a fan of Scorsese. So Taxi Driver is one I recommend. I'm gonna see it. I, I feel like it's streaming. I feel like I've seen it up there a million times. My brother had those, like all of all the movies that I mentioned, mm-hmm. like on VHS when I was a kid. And I think I like thought that they were cool because he he owned them. But then I think I also thought that they were very adult and probably like either scary or just like violent. Which a Taxi Driver is violent, right? Like it's a pretty violent oh, yeah. film. I feel like in like the right headspace to watch it, uh, but I'm gonna watch it. I promise, and I'm gonna report back. So I feel like that's one I gotta like cross off the list because it's really just sad at this point that I haven't seen it. Oh, oh yeah, like it's like, like yeah. Do let me know what you think of it because it's it's a it's a true gem. It's a classic. 
For sure. I did cut you off, Nick, because I want to hear more about your, your favorite movies of 2020. Oh, yeah, well, that's all right. Uh, yeah, um, another another film. This is actually still my, uh, my favorite film of 2020, and it's uh, it came out in June on Netflix, and it's directed by Spike Lee. It's called The Five Bloods. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The Five Bloods, uh, an incredible film. Um, it's about um, uh, a group of uh, a Vietnam War, black Vietnam War veterans. Uh, they travel back to Vietnam um, to um, not only pay respects to their uh, fallen friend, played by the late great Chadwick Boseman, um, but they also, but they're also there to hunt for uh, a, a bag full of gold bullion, like these gold bars that were let, that they left behind uh, during the war. And so um, it has a great cast. It has Clark Peters uh, from The Wire. It has Delroy Lindo in, at, in, with an incredible performance um, as Paul, uh, the uh, MAGA hat-wearing, Trump-supporting Vietnam War vet. Uh, oh my God! Like his his character is something else, but he's just a, a, a ball a, a ball a bundle of complications and contradictions. Um, it's got uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., um, who's best known for the way he says she. Oh man, um, it has him. It has um, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, who was in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, one of my favorite films of last year, as well as Lovecraft Country on HBO, um, and, it, and it has Leah Seydoux in it as well. Um, it, it's an incredible film. Um, I really liked how the the film um, it, there's like, there's like two parallel storylines at work. So it has like the modern day where. These old, uh, these now older uh, veterans, they're they're in modern day Vietnam trying to hunt down this uh, bag full of gold, and then it flashes back to um, the the war where they're fighting alongside their fallen comrade uh, Chadwick Boseman, who happens to be like a, a their main inspiration and, and who helps them survive the war, and um, and when you see uh, uh, Delroy Lindo's character Paul and how like he's been wrestling with uh, these wrestling with you know the these traumas and ptsd for so long and you know and how and you learn like why he becomes a trump supporter and then why he was wearing this maga hat and it's it's so it's so weird and it because it, it's like because it, it, it's like how but but then like you understand you like you don't agree with him but you understand why he is the way he is and then there's also um, uh, Jean Reno, uh, who is best known as like Leon from Leon the Professional. He plays one of the characters in the in the film. Um, I, I really loved I really loved how how the film explores so many themes like Black Lives Matter, um, PTSD, um, just the the notion of uh, of Black American veterans fighting for a country that doesn't that that flat out hates them. Like, oh, how come we're fighting for freedom abroad, but we don't have it here in, in our own in our in our home soil um it even touches on um the fact that like um there were times where like the Viet Cong, uh you know actually reached out to like actually like, over the airwaves like they had these radio broadcasts where they reached out to like uh, american troops speaking to the black uh troops specifically saying that well wait a minute why are you here fighting for fighting us when you're fighting for a country that hates you hates your people why is that and then, like, there's like, a, there's like this woman, this uh, Vietnamese woman, who's like, plays like, kind of like the Greek chorus, uh, or the v Vietnamese chorus in this case in the film, where there's like interludes where she's speaking, like, she's speaking on the on the on the air, and she's speaking directly to the camera at times. They're just like, you know, broadcasting her propaganda, saying like, hey, don't don't, hey, you know, soul brothers, don't don't fight us, 
You know, we're not your enemy. You know, you're fighting alongside the enemy. And it's so, and it's so interesting how the film kind of tackles that too. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the Five Bloods, man. It's it's my favorite film of 2020 so far. It's pretty much going to going to take the prize once I release my list of favorite films, which I'll send you as well. Um yeah, it's 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 definitely a, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a treasure. Um, and 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 this is a great follow up to Spike Lee's uh, 2018 film Black Klansman. So definitely check yeah. it out. Yeah, I will. And I actually saw Black Klansman this summer because I hadn't mm. seen it before and really liked it and like really thought it was it was just, like awesome. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely I do want to check that out. I feel like, like, as you're talking, I feel like maybe I avoided some movies for, like, maybe just, like, the emotional comfort of the unicorn store. Like, maybe that's, like, where I was kind of, my mind was this this uh, year is, like, let's just be, like, pretty and nice and cute and fun. Um, but now I think, like, emotionally I'm, I'm back. So mm-hmm. I can add, I will add that to my, I was taking notes, Vic, like I said I would, uh, because I've read really, really, really good things about that film. And so I definitely want to check it out. So that'll be, maybe that'll even be the next one up. And then and then we'll do Taxi Driver. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a great recommendation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, Netflix has really stepped their game up considerably. Yeah, for real. There's, there's just, there's so much. Like, it's hard to, to kind of narrow it down. What I had been doing... Cause there's so much and I don't like know what is new that's getting added. And um, there are a bunch of websites that release like every month, like the top hundred movies to stream this month. And I've been trying to like stay pretty steady with all of those films that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like I saw a lot of, a lot of good stuff, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen, seen that one yet, but um yeah, no, that sounds awesome, for sure. Uh, what's the the soundtrack like? Uh, the soundtrack is actually it's actually quite nice. It's um uh, the score is by Terrence Blanchard, who is a longtime Spike Lee collaborator. So there's a lot of like, you know, triumphant you know horns, you know, like kind of has like that um, like that that patriotic uh patriotic yet somber right. feel uh to the score. So it's kind of it kind of like evokes like other uh, heist movie, classic heist movies like The Great Escape with Steve McQueen, for example. So like the film, mm-hmm. so, like, so the sort of kind of evokes like films like that. Yeah, and 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 much like Mank, it's also available on Spotify too, if you have Spotify. Oh, nice. Yeah. I sure do. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, and um, any other any other any other films that you uh, got into? See, I never can describe them as well as you do. I'm always just like, it's great, sad, it'll make you cry, you'll tell your friends about it, it's really cute. <laughs> but uh, I saw, I hadn't seen uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. I saw that for the first time this year, mm-hmm. um, which was like, I had like no crazy drive to see it when it first came out. Mm-hmm but saw that this summer because it was streaming and I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll watch it. And I can't remember how you felt about, about that one. I, um, I, I feel like my opinion is just kind of like, 
it change it can change. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I I enjoyed it, and then I can also maybe see like some pieces of it being problematic, and then other parts of it being um, like I don't know, maybe people are overreacting a bit. Uh, but I was I was happy to see it. I said, you know what I think what compelled me to watch it is uh, I forget like what fucking happened <laughs> so I can't even keep anything straight but like something happened this summer and people were like afraid that something Joker-esque was gonna I don't know but that people were gonna like Joker out or something I don't oh, yeah. I, that's my um <laughs> very like professional uh, way of saying that people were gonna Joker out this summer and I was like oh I should watch it, this movie and see what people are talking about uh and of course everyone's overreacting yeah but I did like Joaquin Phoenix, I, I try to watch, like see everything that he's in for the most part. He's always, he's always so good. Um, and just really, really interesting to watch. But uh, but what did you think of that? I'm always just curious about your opinion on mostly everything. <laughs> but especially the controversial movies that not everyone loves. Yeah, Joker, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Um, I, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's performance was excellent. Um, and, um, right. And uh, I also liked the the cinematography, like the um, like the the grimy yet slick the slick griminess of, of the visuals, um, and also like the 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 score as well. Um, um, I, I thought the I thought the film was it tried to be deeper than it actually was. It, it, it felt like like it felt like Martin Scorsese light, and that like Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, two Scorsese films, were were the biggest biggest inspirations. Uh, for the Joker film, and it, it it tried to touch on like certain themes, like you know, like the socio-political aspect, like you know, like oh, like the like the top one percent versus the ninety-nine percent, you know, revolting in the streets. It tried to touch on you know um, how mental health, how the mental health profession is like largely underfunded, and um, and you know, Joker's a victim of that. Um, it, it touched on those themes, but it didn't really like, delve into them as deeply as it as it could have. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, but, and, and also like, um, when you said like, you know, like, you know, there was some controversy about like, you know, people like, especially like, oh, people are going to joke around specifically like, you know, straight white men who feel like outcasts, this film, I mean, this, this, this film, we're going to wag our finger at this film because this film is censoring a straight white man who's, who's, uh, who turns into a, a dangerous killer and he's going to inspire copycats. And it's like, it's like, oh, pump the brakes. It's like the film it gets you into his headspace, but the film the film makes you empathize with him to a degree, but the film never makes you never tries to make you agree with him. So and right. it, so it's it's like Taxi Driver in that aspect where where you 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 kind of empathize with Travis Bickle and you see where he's coming from, but you never agree with him. Um, and and the film itself, like I, I see I. Oh, I see its value as being a gateway film. So like for like uh, younger viewers or, or viewers or, you know, like like casual film goers who want to want to delve deeper into film. Um, this could be mm-hmm. their gateway to like, you know, Scorsese films. Like, so like, like oh, like oh, this, this film's inspired by Martin Scorsese. What was what's King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, Robert De Niro's in that, in that, t- in those two. Oh, let me see what those are about. And I can see that, I can see the Joker being functioning as, as, as that gateway to, to its, insp- to its inspirations and like bigger and better. So, so Joker, like it, it, as a whole, it's, it's a fine product, but, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't be compelled to like watch it often. Uh, but if I was, 
but you know like if I, if I were to like review it like to get to delve into it more deeply for like, uh, like the purposes of like another like review or whatever then i'd probably watch it again for those purposes but i wouldn't watch it again otherwise yeah i feel like the repeat value wasn't great on it like i feel like i watched it and i got everything that i needed to get out of it and mm. that's pretty much it um mm. but i agree with with your take on it and everything that you said. And I also like, cause I'm always late to the party on stuff like this. And I didn't really understand. I mean, like it had, it was like hugely impactful for like a lot of people, like both good and bad. Uh, and I couldn't really understand why, like I, I like to an extent I can, but I just always feel like, the movie didn't go deep enough to even warrant something like that. Like I felt as though if he, if he was like your hero, then that's a problem. And uh, if you couldn't somewhat, although, you know what, that scene on, what is it? When they're on the train and they're like those bros that are acting up and yeah. being all like pricks. Oh yeah. I do feel satisfied when I can watch a movie and like, live out a fantasy that I would never live out in real like obviously it's a fantasy so I'm like I would love to I'm like in my head not in real life like you know not me existing day to day but like I can see like what watching certain scenes and being like oh man if this were like the wild wild west we could, maybe I would want to do something like that or at least think about doing it uh, in fantasy land. Like there's some kind of like weird pleasure in watching something like that where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I can totally, yep. That feels really satisfying to me. Horrible to happen in real life, but like in a movie that is like a fantasy and that is great. And I love those kind of movies that can do that for me in a way, like (laughs) live, live out the things that I would love to live out if, uh, there were no consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so I did, (laughs) I did like it for some of those, pieces that it held um but it also i don't know why it was like going to be the most terrifying movie of when did that come out was that 2019 18 yep last year 2019 it's last year yeah 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 i just didn't really understand why it was like after watching it like when all like the hype kind of wound down it was just like ah, i don't really understand like why everyone was so scared that nobody would be able to go to the theater because you know yeah. A bunch of people are just jumping around, but we, we, we survived that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so I saw, saw that I saw birds of prey recently and I like loved that mm. so much. Oh yeah. Hadn't seen it there. Um, and that was just so good. I'm just like really on that, like whatever that wave is of just lots of like, um, like lady centric, film of like but like not just like the typical uh you know context that women find themselves in a lot um but like being I don't know like being like villain and hero and that kind of like interesting uh you know relationship and uh and just like really fun like I love just like visually Birds of Prey so much like that was like fun to really watch and the soundtrack is fucking dope I can't stop listening to it it's so so good and what I had seen before that, which I, I loved that, is Tragedy Girls, which I think came out in, I had it up, in 2017, which I had never even heard about. Mm-hmm. But have you seen that, Vic? I've, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, though. Yeah. So um, 
I watched it because Jack Quaid is in it and I love him from the boys. And I was like, you know what? I will. So I do this like weird thing when I get like kind of movie, not movie bored, but I'm like, okay, I'll take one actor or actress and I will try to watch everything that they've been in. And I've, I've done that like a few times. And I figured Jack Quaid was easy to do because he is not in a ton of movies. So I found tragedy girls and it's, uh, if you if you like the kind of like interesting empowerment of two young women in high school being obsessed with serial killers and wanting to kidnap one so they can then become serial killers themselves, then this is the movie for you. Again, okay. it's like the perfect kind of fantasy. Like if you are not going to kidnap a serial killer in real life and like learn everything you know from them, mm-hmm. uh, then you can watch this movie and really live that out. So it's a it's a really it's like it's very fun. And like it, it is pretty kitschy. It, it's it is violent for sure, which isn't always my bag. But the violence, I want to say, in Tragedy Girls is pretty. Uh, I would say, like from what most people are used to, I would say like pretty fine. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really fun. I watched it. It was like part of my like Halloween list. It's not particularly scary by any stretch, uh, but it was just really really cool. And actually, ended a little bit differently than I thought. It might, but I I really kind of, I love watching women on screen that aren't, like, playing, like, just, like, even though <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire is my favorite movie of the year, and it does fit into, like, very, like, categorically women, um, but, like, so that's, you know, do love that movie. I also enjoy seeing women. It's just like in different roles, like it very, like even if they are a little bit violent, but I love that kind of black humor. That's like my favorite thing recently is just things that are just so fucked up. And tragedy girls is honestly so messed up. And there was, (laughs) but I, I have been enjoying that in a really big way. Um, and Craig Robinson is in it. And I think he produced it, which is kind of neat. Like I would have never anticipated that, uh, at all. Um, but it's, it's super fun. And so like, if you like kind of, you know, very lady centric movies that are a little bit violent and kind of like a cool, um, like gender role reversal, then I think, because I think what's interesting about tragedy girls is that it's lady serial killers and that's not a thing that we normally see. Yeah. Like, we men are serial killers like by nature and statistically uh that's who it is and so it's interesting to see like two girls in high school who are like are are obsessed and i also think it kind of plays on that culture too of like unfortunately young women who become really obsessed with like serial killers and horrible people who commit horrible crimes and like that whole like true crime obsession that like so many folks have And, uh, and then you get to like watch that play out in a really interesting way. And it's also just like really funny and like just fun to watch. So I can't, I can't recommend it enough. And actually, uh, the two actresses that are in it, Alexandra Ship and Brianna Hildebrand, they're like fabulous. So good. And I hadn't really seen them in anything else, but they're, they're really, really fun to watch. So Tragedy Girls. Followed up by Birds of Prey, which is like, uh, like I would say, like aesthetically very similar soundtrack, very similar, like cool vibes, 
really just like fun to watch. Um, I would recommend those. I really did try to Vic like this year in my, in our pandemic year, like do different things that I wouldn't normally or like watch different uh, films from, from different genre that I wouldn't normally watch. And I think I did an okay job with that. Uh, probably, I feel like I didn't watch the most like sophisticated movies, but I think that's okay. Because oh, yeah. I'm not really that, I'm not really that person. I did watch the Grizzly Man documentary with my sister, and I had never seen that, and was always so afraid to watch that, <laughs> watch that documentary, because in college, everyone was like, oh my god, this documentary, it's so fucked up, it's so, cr- what, whatever. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't want to watch somebody be eaten by a bear. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't even happen. I was just great. You don't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was glad to like add that to my list of things that I, I saw this year of like, what have I not seen that I really should have seen? And that documentary was like number one with a bullet mm-hmm. of like, I have to see it because everyone had seen it and I never did. And I learned so much about grizzly bears. <laughs> like after watching that documentary, I was like, I need to know more about grizzly bears their nature, where they show up and do they actually eat people? And like, what's the the story? And I just like rabbit hold for like a week on grizzly bear trivia. Wow. Which I think is great. <laughs> I think it's like a, a great use of your time. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary, Vic, but I, oh, yes. I quite enjoy it. Yes. You probably, yeah, you've, yeah. you've seen everything. I it was wicked late to the party on that. It is one that I would watch again, actually. It was weird enough, right? Like that dude was incredibly strange. Yeah. Yeah. Timothy Treadwell. Like he was, he was a guy who definitely lived on the edge. Um, and mm-hmm. like he, he was someone who, um, like, and, and, and one of his, one of his friends actually pointed this out in the documentary. He said that, you know, people, people ought to give him more credit than they, than they, than they, than they do because like like to his credit he actually survived out in the wilderness out, out in the alaskan wilderness for like 13 summers you know like even even though he like anthropomorphized the, the bears and he kind of treated them like you would like a common house pet it's like like I, and i know like like as as depicted in the film like somewhere along the way he kind of lost perspective perhaps um but but like he he like he managed to managed to know what he was doing like he managed to survive out there and you know amongst the bears and managed to yeah. you know you know survive that long and and, and, he, and he caught some extraordinary footage during his time too so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's such a tragedy how his how his life ended along with his the, his girlfriend at the time who died by his side um i know yeah. and it was just so bleak that like she almost got out too they both did like they probably would have survived for more summers if they like could get on their plane yeah he had some fraudulent plane ticket it's such an interesting weird story mm-hmm. uh and it's it's almost it's like very mysterious too because when i was reading about it uh afterward like depending on where you read you'd get like either a different piece or like a different kind of story based off of like his time you know there and like what he did and whether it was cool and I guess a lot of people didn't think it was cool because he was like making the bears really used to humans which made them more susceptible to poaching and Mm. um but yeah it was really it was like very fascinating I remember I just remember like us watching it in my sister's apartment in South County and just being like whoa this is 
really but like so late to the party we were like whoa this guy like who is this person like what did he do we like hung out with grizzly bears for a living uh and was like really eccentric but yeah it was cool and i like Werner herzog's was the best like so so dope and great and like i yeah so i was happy i was happy to see that Mm. for sure um i feel like vic like our whole vibe when i'm describing things is like I take the ingredients and I throw them at the wall and then you scrape them off and then build like a beautiful cake with it. I feel like I am worse at describing anything, I think, like for the most, not great at it, but I, um, especially in movies, because I'm just like, I like them, but I'm thinking that's our dynamic and I love it. I'm like a big fan of you baking a cake with the shit I throw at the wall. Uh, but yes, I feel like I'm always like learning every time I mention something, I'm always learning more uh, from you than I, than I had known previously. So another reason why I love being on the podcast so much, cause I, I come away with a lot more knowledge, which what more could you ask for really? Oh, well, 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 well thank, thank you for that. That, that really, that You're really welcome. means a lot. Yeah. And, 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 oh, and, and oh. I, and I will say like, like to your credit, like you're, like you're, I think you're doing a, a, a great job, you know, just you know, describing, <laughs> describing your films and like and your and your passion behind them, and especially Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You gave a really good perspective on that film, and it makes me want to actually re- revisit it uh, at some point soon. I think yes, I th- you know, and I've been feeling that way a lot about um, like, do you ever see a movie at like a weird time in your life, and you like maybe didn't like it or like just had a weird feeling about it, and then revisit it like later, and you're like, no, I really really enjoy this. Like, yeah. this is so much better than I ever remembered. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot with me. I think like especially movies that I saw, um, like as a kid, like watching them them now, it's like a whole different. I was talking to, uh, we did like a holiday party for my work today um and I was talking with them about how when I was a kid Gremlins was like my favorite Christmas movie I loved we used to watch it as a family mm-hmm. and I remember like and I so I've always like it's not like I watched Gremlins once and never watched it again it was always my favorite Christmas movie, but there must have been like some kind of hiatus in my life where I had not been watching Gremlins. And then I remember like so clearly dog sitting uh, for my brother and sister-in-law in Woonsocket like years ago. And I say that, was it years ago? Yeah, 2014. And watching Gremlins, I'm like, holy shit, this is like the most violent movie I have ever seen. <laughs> there are like 98 deaths in like the 90 minute run of this film like it is so violent why was i watching this as a kid and like my perspective <laughs> and like vibe of it was just like totally different because i'm like what the fuck? why was i watching this uh but i did and i loved it and i still love it but it's just like kind of that different lens of like where you are in your life and like maybe your age and just where you're like i don't would not show gremlins to my niece and nephews right now they're they're still too little um but it's kind of like interesting to do that because i never remembered as a kid that movie being like incredibly violent Mm -hmm. but it is it is the murders in that movie are crazy it's like oh that's like how interesting and as i was talking about it with folks they're like oh we don't really remember it being that violent i'm like no it watch it as an adult it really really is so uh so yeah stuff like that it's like cool to like revisit it 
I don't know if you have any movies like that, but I know that I have a few that are kind of like rising to the top for me. And Gremlins was definitely one. <laughs> um, yeah, movie that I that I one movie that I watched. Uh, uh, and this and this was like back in 2007 or so, like where mm. where I watched it the first time and I, I didn't really care for it, but then I watched it like a couple of years later and then I really liked it. One was uh, Sideways, uh, with, mm. yeah, directed by Alexander Payne, starring you know Paul Giamatti, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, Sandra Oh, and Virginia Madsen. Uh, when I first watched that film, like I guess like because of like, maybe because like the humor was a bit a little too dry that I found at the time and it didn't really speak to me but then like a couple years later I, I was like you know what you know what I'm, I'm actually I'm actually wanting to watch this film again I want to give it a second chance and I'm glad I did because um it's actually one of my it's actually my favorite Alexander Payne movie um uh-huh. yeah because like I I, I really lo- I really enjoyed the, the the dialogue in the film I really enjoyed what? Paul Giamatti's performance you know as this you know sort of somewhat uh ornery wine connoisseur um, I especially love the scene where like he's he, he's talking with Virginia Madsen and he's describing his favorite his favorite wine. I think it's um I think his favorite wine is like Pinot Noir. I think because um, I, I remember he hates Merlot um, and and he's describing like what 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 makes Pinot Noir so good. And as he's describing it, like from the complexity of the flavors to like the aroma and like how it takes time for one to really appreciate the the fineries of it, he's, it the the camera you know slowly zooms in on Virginia Madsen. Oh bless you. Um, the 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 camera uh, slowly zooms in on Virginia Madsen's face, and she's like looking at him like with like a mix of awe and adoration because like she's because it becomes clear that Giamatti is not just describing wine; he's describing himself. And and you see like their connection deep, and I was like, oh man, that is so cool, that is so mm-hmm. cool, and 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 yeah, like uh, and sideways too, like it, it made me want to get into wines a little bit more. I'm 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 no I'm no connoisseur by any means when it comes to wine. I'm like I'm like Thomas Hayden Church in the film where it's like, tastes good to me. So so yeah. So, yeah, so, but yeah, I, I really do like Sideways. Um, that was a film that I really appreciated the second time around, and it became one of my favorites. Um, and Alexander Payne, like, he's also a, a, a fantastic fantastic director, like, with Election, with Reese Witherspoon, and uh, what else did he do? Oh. Uh, Nebraska, uh, with Bruce Stern. Oh, um, that's right. Yep. Um, about oh, Schmidt. he's real good. Because those movies are so wildly different. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like he like Alexander Payne he does a good job of like you know balancing that dry humor with like with like engaging characters. Uh, yeah. Oh, and also the Descendants with George Clooney that was a really good one. Um, that is. Yep. And what else? Oh, about about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson that was an underrated one too from two thousand two. Yeah. I think so too. I yeah, no, I, I love that movie actually watched i watched that recently and i watched our like rewatched as good as it gets this summer as mm. well um yeah. and just like I, I feel like i hadn't watched a jack nicholson movie in a really long time and like forgot that he kind of had that tear of like those types of movies yeah. um but they're so good like they're really like like they they hold up like they're um yeah. like so like really funny and really enjoyable and, like interesting to watch but I had, I had totally forgotten about about Schmidt until until recently but it really is so good mm-hmm. yeah and uh and with as good as it gets too like I've 
like I haven't seen that in a couple of years, but um, that's that's actually one of my favorite Jack Nicholson performances, him and Helen Hunt, and and I especially like the the quality of the some of the dialogue, some of the lines in that film, where the, the, there's one line that stands out to me and as good as it gets, where it, it's so wrong, but I just like like it's just a, it's just it's actually pretty witty, where like I think where Jack Nicholson's character, he's in like um I think he's trying to he's in his therapist's office, and then. I think the receptionist is like, hey, you know, oh, Mr. Udall, like, I just want you to know that I really enjoy your work and I really appreciate how you write women so well. How do you do it? And then Jack Nicholson responds, I think of a man and then I take away reason and accountability. And I'm like, that's so effed up. But it, the, the the dialogue is just like, uh, that, but that's so witty too, man. That's such a it, good line. Yeah, it's not, it's- it is. It's like, yes, I completely agree. Like, it's it, it kind of, like, makes you, like, a little gutted. And then you're just like, yeah, but he's just, like, so quick. And it's just, like, totally what he's about. And then he learns. He learns, like, slowly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, the, the dialogue is so great. And his delivery is just so, like, it's perfect every time. Like, just... And it's because it like for me, I can't tell it like teeters maybe on like overacting, I suppose, but it's just like so uniquely his style. Like even just rewatching The Shining, which I do every Halloween, mm. it's like do, we, like, do people even talk like this ever? Or is it just Jack Nicholson? Like the way that he like delivers lines and the way he speaks and just, I'm like, I don't know, but that's just what makes it really fun to watch is you're going to get something that is like so uniquely him and not necessarily something he's not like somebody that you know in real life which I kind of like that I don't always like to be able to relate to uh characters in movies and like, I like to be taken out of it and I was like his delivery and just the way that he acts and like portrays characters mm-hmm. like I don't really know this person but I'm glad that I don't and it's really fun yeah. to watch but yeah I um yeah no those are those are great those are great films. I feel like, what's the last movie that he was in? It's been a while, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it has been. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's like, pretty much, like, unofficially retired. Because. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Why not? What else could you really do at this point? Mm. And I wish, like, maybe other people would get the memo, too. Because, like, I definitely heard that there's, like, the new Indiana Jones, or, like, there is going to be a new Indiana Jones movie. And mm. I, like, don't know how I feel about that at all and i'm just like is it necessary do we need to see it do we like what's the story there and do we care i don't know yeah um, i'm probably (laughs) but i have no idea if i want to yeah, I'm with you there. Like, uh, like, cause I, I, I'm actually one of those people who actually enjoy the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like for what it, for what it was. Um, and I was is like, is it because Shia LaBeouf, Vic? Are we had where the, is it because <laughs> no. he's like problematic actor there is? Uh, uh. Well, not not well. This this despite the presence of Shia LaBeouf, um, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I I enjoyed the film for what it was. It, it was silly, but I was like, you know what? You know what? It was fine for what it was, but may we never get another Indiana Jones film ever, ever again. Because I think that these three, the first three films said that everything that needed to be said. And this fourth film is just like a nice bonus, whatever. But then part five reportedly is is, is going to take place in the late, the plan is to take, it's going to take place in the late 70s with, you know, with an elderly, even more, even older Indiana Jones. And he's going to try to, I guess, pass the mantle off to like a, a protege that's not his son. So Shia LaBeouf is not coming back at all. Um, I don't know if they're gonna recast um, his son. If they're gonna have his have his the character of his son 
come back for the fifth one or if it's going to be someone else different different i, I have no idea but yeah but yeah but i i hope that indiana jones 5 just like just remains in development hell and just like you know what let's, let's just leave the memories alone you mean yeah we don't need we don't need that yeah i feel like they don't add anything to the story because you get really attached to the story and then when there's like so much in addition to it's not that it takes away like you know how great the first three are and like that you know my love of them or how much i like nostalgia i feel for them and like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really it doesn't take away from that but it just seems kind of like a pointless use of time like couldn't harrison ford just be doing something different yeah like he can obviously still act He's, like, survived 15 plane crashes. He's, like, pretty indestructible. He could, like, sign on to a project that was pretty lengthy. Yeah. Uh, but, again, but we're getting Indiana Jones. They must assume people want to see that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, um, I guess some nerds out there just, just really want their <laughs> indie. Harrison but they're going to be mad, Vic. They're going to be mad like they always are. Because, oh, like, yeah. that culture is just like we we want to see this we're curious about this like maybe this will happen and then it comes out and they hate it like i don't know what makes nerds happy Mm. um like (laughs) that like realm i don't know what they they truly love and enjoy but it isn't anything that comes out ever they hate it all or are very critical of everything they can't just like sit in a theater and have fun for the sake of having fun they have to like deconstruct every little piece of it. I don't know if people are that diehard with Indiana Jones. I am sure that there are, uh, but I don't know. So maybe I, maybe I won't be like a super, you know, curmudgeon. I'll give it a shot. If it is straight to streaming, I will watch the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would too, but if it's on Disney plus, then I, I, I mean, I, I refuse to get Disney plus. So it's like, well, oh, well, <laughs> why? Why do you wait? Why do you refuse to get Disney Plus? Um, it, you know, I, I have a I, with 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 Disney because Disney they're they're such a a, a juggernaut a me, media juggernaut at this point. Like the fact that they bought 20th Century Fox and they have all, their whole catalog of films. Um, I, I think that Disney has way too much power, way too much consolidation going on between 20th Century Fox, which is, which is a huge, significant chunk of film history, uh, in mm-hmm. the hands of one studio, and then um, and then you combine that with like with their Marvel, their rights to Marvel and Lucasfilm and Pixar, um, and and also like with Disney's practice of their so-called vault system. Um, so where they want, where if they, if, if they do release a film on physical media like Blu-ray, like they'll release a film and it, it'll only be for a limited time, and then they'll put it back in the vault to pro, to produce that artificial scarcity. So then all of a sudden you see like rare copies of like say Alien for like fifty bucks on eBay, um, and and just the just the fact that Disney owns the rights to 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 licenses like franchises like Alien and Predator now, like and, and The Simpsons. It's, it's too much and and for me it, 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 it it's 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 very disquieting and it's very disturbing as, as, a, as a film fan and as some as, as someone who appreciates film history and media history as well and and I think that uh, for 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 some of the more uh, shall we say uh, simpler, uh, uh, types like they're like but but Victor we're, we're, we're gonna get X-Men and fantastic 
before in the MCU. And it's like, like, it's, it's, it's not worth the price. The price is too great, Carl. I I mean, the price is too great, people. Um, (laughs) feeling yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's not just it's not just oh great the mcu like disney has the rights to x-men and fantastic four again and daredevil like no th- like we're th- th- the price is not worth it i don't i don't care i don't want to see wolverine in the marvel cinematic universe if it means that 20th century fox and like the, like their like their old catalog of films are going to be either either suppressed or they're going to go through this this awful vault system or if it's going to be or or if this or if disney decides to shy away from physical media entirely and place their entire catalog on disney plus um are we going to get altered versions of certain films that don't meet the disney uh standard if you will in terms of like content and 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 what have you are we going to get revisionist history as a result like with some certain films are we going to get certain cuts instead of as opposed to the original like it's the the price is too steep, and I think that you know, I, and I think that with with Disney, I I, I don't want to give them any more of my money. I just don't like, and if it means I miss out on 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 Pixar films, um, then 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 that's then that's that's the price that I'll pay because. I, I think I think that hopefully hopefully like once once uh once Biden gets in office and I, and I know this is going to be low on his list of priorities if, if anything but I hope that there's going to be some strong um some strong um, revitalization of antitrust laws again because we need to break up studios like Disney because no studio deserves no studio needs to have or should should have should have all of these massive catalog under under one umbrella so i hope that we get some antitrust laws back back in our back in our in our in our laws uh, in our legislature legislature because you know we do not need to see any more of this consolidation i think it's too great i think that as 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 film goers as as media uh, watchers um we are we are culturally deprived um one, once you have one studio like disney calling the shots on so many uh, 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 properties. So I really hope that Disney, I really hope that 20th Century Fox can somehow be freed, somehow, because it's 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 too much. And, and it's not worth seeing Wolverine, you know, cavorting with Spider-Man on, on, on screen. You know, it's, it's not worth it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Carl. I mean, nerds. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not worth the price. But yeah, I appreciate that perspective because I don't know anything about that. I like kind of have I've been hearing about um, like the what is it the trust laws the oh antitrust and, laws yeah law. I've been reading a little bit about that and it does seem like it's like a thing that might have like be not like a top priority but like something that might exist mm-hmm. um so i never heard about that really but that could just be like my own bubble uh but n- had never really heard about that until pretty recently but i think you make some valid points i uh it's weird do you ever feel like left out <laughs> like people that are watching disney plus and like the shows that come out of it do you ever feel like are you really sad that you won't be able to watch the new mighty ducks TV show. Oh, I didn't know there was a new Mighty Ducks coming out. Oh, it is. It's a TV show, I'm pretty sure, um, with Emilio Estevez, which is great. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I, Things that are happy that exist, but like, do you, do you ever feel left out or sad that you 
can't watch certain shows or do you find other ways to watch them? Um, um, well, well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel too broken up by it. Um, uh, as, not as much as I thought I would. Um, and, and, and I, and I'm, and I'm not, and I try, I tend to avoid like piracy sites. Like, Oh, I'll just go and like, say like, like this pirate bay or something. Cause like, I'm afraid of viruses and malware and maybe getting caught by like government surveillance or something like that. Uh, but, um, Definitely. but, but yeah, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I don't, like, I, I do have some, uh, several Disney films in my catalog, like, like particularly from Pixar, but, um, like any, mm. anything new from Pixar, then I'm unfortunately like, I'm just going to be like, I, I, I'm just going to have to let it go, you know, you know, no pun intended, like Frozen. Um, and, and, and as much as I do want to watch, you know, Hamilton, which I know Disney Plus is the only streaming service that has Hamilton, because I've, yeah. I've heard so much about it. It's like, uh, it's, it's not worth the price. I don't want to give Disney my money. They don't need any more money. I, I, they definitely don't need any money. And you could just see like a live production of Hamilton as well. Hmm. I mean, I would love, I would love to see Hamilton. That's not fair. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's great, and like the broadcast that they had for Hamilton this that came out this summer mm-hmm. was real good. Um, but yeah, like something like that, you can just like you have access to it in other ways, so you won't be too left out. And you can always listen to the soundtrack, and that gives you a pretty good sense of what's going on. So there's there's other. What if you like go on a date with somebody and they're like, I really want to see the new Pixar movie. They're like dying to see it. They're like, Vic, like I'm have my heart set on this like super cool, emotionally taxing but visually awesome film. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What? It, well, that's a conundrum. Well, in that case, like um, like if if you know. I, I would ultimately say, okay, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see it. You know, I'll I'll bite the make, bullet. Make then. them pay for it. <laughs> like, you're just gonna pay. You're gonna pay for it. I'll get dinner. That's how you can like divide it up so you can feel okay with your decision. You know what? That's actually a good idea. You know, I could be like, hey, you cover you cover uh, the the two tickets, and then I'll cover the dinner. Yeah. Your integrity is important, Vic, and I support you. And I have things like that that, like, I will casually. I do feel that way uh, about, as we were talking about earlier. I do feel that way about like WWE and wrestling from time oh, to time. Yes. I was like, my sister can pay for the network, and I'll just like casually, <laughs> like, I'll I'll go in occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't feel super. I like, who wants to give Vince McMahon any more of their money? Exactly. I don't. That's so much of my money over the years. Way mm. too much. Yeah, I'm with you right there. Like, um, like for me, I like I used to have the WWE Network like for a number of years since it came out, and then like like the first time I really, I was, the first time I was this close to canceling it was the Crown Jewel, uh, back in 2018 when uh, Jamal Khashoggi, that journalist, was killed, and then yeah. WWE decided, oh, we're still gonna broadcast in Saudi Arabia anyway, and then um, but the thing that, that really was so fucked up. That was like the worst move ever. That like. Yeah. That's when I kind of blacked out, too. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was so... I don't get, like, typically pretty offended by shit, but their, like, partnership with Saudi Arabia was made no sense. It was just, like, mm. beyond what I could even understand for monetary... Yeah. Like, it was just pure evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was beyond the pale. And it was just, like, you know, WWE yeah. just willingly, you know, being a propaganda tool, 
you know, for the uh, the, the crown prince and, and the Saudi government. You know, it's like, oh, look how progressive we are. Even though we hate we hate uh, LGBTQ people and we really don't like women, we don't think they deserve rights. And it's like, what? And then and then, yeah. <laughs> And but yeah. but but the but the but the thing that 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 did make me that that did make me uh, ultimately drive me to cancel my subscription was Black Wednesday uh, this past April, where WWE like let go, like fired or furloughed like over like 30, 40 uh, percent of their on-screen talent and some of their backstage personnel, and then it turns out that they, that Vince McMahon didn't really need to because it turns out hey that this is WWE's most profitable year ever because they don't have to do house shows so they saved so much money they've saved so much money and then and then yeah. like because of that I'm like you know what I'm not giving WWE any more of my money so like and 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 and, and the thing too is like like it was kind of complicated complicated for me because like you know my my dad and I we 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 do watch the WWE uh, monthly pay per views like uh, you know when they, when they do come out and so. I was always footing the bill uh, for the for the network, and I told my dad, I'm like, okay, listen, dad, um, I got to take a stand here. I'm not giving Vince McMahon any more of my money. So if you want to keep watching these pay per views, then you're gonna have to fork out the subs- the money for the subscription from now on. So I'm canceling my subscription right now. So if you if you sign up for the network and you pay for it, then that's then that's good. And then then my dad ultimately was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And so my dad. He 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 got he got he has a network subscription. I canceled mine, and so we still continue to watch the the monthly pay per views, you know, because you know, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, that's that's kind of our thing. It's been our thing, so you know. But at least but at least I can stand on principle saying that I'm not supporting Vince McMahon with my dollars, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. And that is principle to have because he is the worst. Like he is a terrible he is mm. a terrible human being. Yes. Uh, so I can I can definitely respect that i uh it's so funny because so many people like question like my weird ongoing like lifelong devotion to professional wrestling Mm -hmm. and i can't blame them (laughs) i can't like (laughs) try to you know convince them of why it's so great when it is so problematic oh my god Vic, i watched so many (laughs) to like like weirdly when this summer when it was like high anxiety and like really stressful i was like you know what will like soothe me is if i watch monday night raws from the attitude era Mm -hmm. and i hadn't watched them in years and i was watching them i'm like holy shit i was texting my brother i'm like did we realize that this was super racist and just like really messed (laughs) up at the time or like what kind of weird mental gymnastics are we doing to like reconcile (laughs) like a lot of weird shit that was happening Mm. um with who we are as people, but it was yeah. like weird to watch. Cause I'm like, I remember some of these things and I think like, excuse them. And then now I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I can't even, like even Disney weirdly censors like all of their movies and like take stuff out. Mm-hmm. WWE, not a chance. Like there's so many crazy things that like just different, um, even like the, cause my goal was to watch every raw that was in Providence mm-hmm. and man, those were some of like, I mean, skill-wise, great, amazing matches, so fun to watch, great Mm -hmm. storytelling. And then some of the stuff was like, oh, my gosh, I had, like, blocked this out somehow to, to, uh, I don't even know, to get through enjoying this. Uh, But it's it's, it's one of those, it's like gremlins, again. It's like watching something and being like, oh, my God, that was really terrible. 
in all ways. And there's no way to really excuse it because that was what, like 2002, 2003, not like not a super long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's been bad his entire life. <laughs> so, and uh, his storytelling really lends itself to that. So uh, yeah, I am, I'm, I feel you on, on that. on like being cautious of where we put our money. That's why I always feel, and I hope, and I, I think it's doing okay, but like made a commitment a while ago to like seeing movies in certain places. So like, I really like, like Avon in Providence and I loved cable car so much Mm. and then uh even like smaller theaters in massachusetts i like really wanted to even though the movies are i guess like typically a little bit more expensive but really wanted to like throw my money into those areas because it just felt right like even if the movie was horrible like Mm. i felt okay about seeing it because it's like supporting something that is like pure and good and like drives your economy in a good way Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, I can totally keep your integrity, Vic. It's all we have. <laughs> it's all yeah. you have. Just I, I totally, I, I respect that a lot. Oh yeah, like I, 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 I try to do what I can, you know. And it's, and you know, like you know, the saying "go goes." Like you know, the is, is there like there, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. So it's like you gotta kind of pick your huh. battles. Um. So like for example, like I like even though like. I, I kind of feel guilty for like buying stuff from like Amazon, for example, and I and I've and I've been uh, and I've been limiting that as much as I could as I can. I, I really get stuff from there anyhow. Um, like I I refuse to step foot into a Walmart. I haven't bought anything from them in years. Um, even though it's funny because like Carl and I had we kind of had like a back and forth, and even like my good friend uh, John Haponic said that oh well 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 you go but Victor you shop at Target and Target is just a it's just a Walmart with a red reskin and I'm like they're not the same thing. <laughs> Walmart and Target are not the same thing. There's a reason why there's a People of Walmart website, but there's no People of Target website. <laughs> and, true. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. So like yeah. So I I I, I try to be as as uh, as as ethical as ethical as as possible as possible with my um with with my, with my dollars you know in 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 this capitalist yep. uh, country of ours so, and it's not easy but uh but I I, I yep. try I try I try to make the best of it you know um let me see and yeah uh, and I, I respect that especially when it like just like there's so many different ways to consume media. And I think that you actually do have opportunities to like put your dollars toward things that are, are really like just, you can feel good about like, mm-hmm. even just like buying music or buying movies or, you know, where you choose to see them or experiences. There's definitely opportunities. I mean, it's harder now, of course, but oh, yeah. I really, yeah, no, I think that's admirable. And it's something that I really try for, as well but it isn't easy because we're basically we're run by disney and, and and you know various other corporations or it's very hard to 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 branch out or like have the means to even do so mm. oh yeah yeah oh before i forget yes oh oh hold up kinda... one of the movies that i saw oh you're kind of breaking did it up cut out Oh, yeah, you kind of broke up there. Uh, what was that? I'm that oh, I wanted to talk about La La Land, and I mostly yes. I just wanted to see why you like it. 
Yeah, cause like, cause um, I, I, I saw your description of um of our of our of our podcast tonight where you said that um like you'll be talking about the movies and you enjoy and La La Land, and and then you said that like you let's see I'm, I'm just pulling up my t- my uh, your text here you said that um let's see uh real talk I watched La La Land for the first time this summer and hated it so much and. <laughs> And and I was like, opinions changed since that text this morning. But, <laughs> but yes, yes, I'll I'll stand by my text. Yes. No, no. Yeah, no. I'm curious. What? Why do you? Why do you disdain La La Land? That's <laughs> just strong. I knew. I was like, I'm pretty sure I texted Vic that I hated La La Land, and I actually don't think I hated it. I think I just like. A lot of different emotions so I think I expected to really like it like the I mean everyone likes that movie and I'm not like a super contrarian I tend to enjoy what other people enjoy like that's just kind of my whole thing uh and I love musicals very deeply I uh I remember like watching La La Land and it's so like visually appealing and fans like it's like great to watch but I, I think like when it was done, I was just like, I do not, I did not care about the characters. I don't even know if anything actually happened. Like I thought the plot was as flat as Ryan Gosling's dancing. Like I couldn't <laughs> handle, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to like. Cause I did not like hmm. the songs. Hmm. I didn't think the dancing was great. Didn't even think the singing was great. And I don't even like require actors and actresses who are like doing stuff that's out of the box to be like perfect. Like I don't need them to be like professional singers and dancers if they're going to take on a musical, Mm -hmm. but I just, I like, I think I expected a lot more and I just could not care less about either of the characters or their story. And then it just kind of like ended where I think it's supposed to be kind of like bittersweet, but they both got like ultimately what they wanted and what they like came here for. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I think compared to the other movies that were like nominated that year and compared to the other great films that I saw <laughs> this summer, including mm-hmm. the unicorn store, it just did not uh, compare. It did not mm-hmm. like, for me, it was just like, it was like, okay to watch, but I just, if I never saw it, I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, that's, that's, in, in, interest, interesting uh, interesting perspective um like I, I i will say that um i i, I did enjoy the film and i, and I also Boring. oh what was that oh you kind of broke up oh there. no no I, oh. I, i'm done oh like um like i i also uh, enjoy i also love musicals as well and uh and so when i watched la la land it, it kind of like ticked ticked uh, many of my boxes um i will say that i was very happy that moonlight uh won best picture um for 2016 instead of la la land because la la land as much as i as much as i enjoyed that film it would have been the safest possible choice and moonlight is like unlike anything the oscars has ever nominated uh for and awarded so uh, and plus moonlight was my favorite film of 2016 uh, as well but um i enjoyed la la land and i even got the the steelbook blu-ray um yeah so you know you know here here's to the fools who dream um i even picked it up it was an exclusive from best buy i'm like oh okay i I need i need this in my collection and so what what i really liked about la la land was um 
besides besides like the besides the the cinematography um and just like the the elaborate uh, set pieces especially like that opening freeway uh, uh number um I, I i did i did enjoy um that like it began as a traditional musical like in its first half but then as it as it gradually went on like it became less and less of a musical and more of a drama especially where you saw how these two characters um you know their their relationship is growing but then like they 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 see that they're making compromises in their art especially ryan gosling's character where you know he's into jazz and he wants to start his own nightclub but then like um he starts you know he he joins john legend's uh jazz troupe uh, for the money and it's not really like his thing and so um i i really i really liked the 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 bittersweetness of of the ending because like Cause like, cause like they, they realize that, you know, as much, as much as they love each other, they realize that, you know, they have, they have dreams and goals that they can't really reach together. So like in, in their separation, they start to find themselves and they start to like go for what they really want. And then eventually they become richer, uh, uh, by having spent their time together and they discover that, you know, they end up achieving, you know, their their dreams you know like you know emma stone's character she becomes a a famous actress and then ryan gosling owns that uh, jazz nightclub and he's and you know he's like in his space um i i really liked how how the film um where where it transitions from a straight musical into more of a drama where you where you see less and less musical numbers where it's like okay now they're transitioning out of la la land now they're now they're transitioning from that dream world where everything's hunky-dory now they're starting to get into the reality of the situation they're starting to delve deeper into um the 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 nitty-gritty of what it takes to reach their dreams and their aspirations and they have to have those hard conversations not everything can be covered in a a song in a dance number and so i really I, i thought that was a really uh inspired direction that uh that the film took and and for me that really that really uh elevated la la land uh beyond the cliches of 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 a standard uh happy go lucky musical so that's that's what really uh stood out to me and i was like man man damien chazelle take a bow providence's own you know yeah you, you did it yeah and 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 chazelle he actually uh became the youngest uh filmmaker to win the best director oscar at 32 so it was like, wow, man, that's awesome. So I, I, I really enjoyed it, you know, like, but probably for the same reason that you perhaps didn't care for it. But, 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 but your, but your take is definitely valid. I could definitely see where you're coming from, though, as well. No, and and you too. I, I think La La Land is definitely one of those movies that I will, even though I just said like five minutes ago that I never, <laughs> my life would be unchanged if I had never seen it. Um, I will, like, I will watch it again. Because I'm always just, I know that just, like, where I'm at in certain moments or what, like, can influence a lot uh, of how I feel about a film. So I'll definitely give it another whirl with that lens. I'll, 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 like, uniquely focus on on everything that you said. Because I think that's important to, like, try again. And you like it, and I respect your opinion so much that it feels like that is something I should be doing. I probably would have liked it better if Emma Stone was like a serial killer, if that was like what she had aspired to be, 
And she's like singing Dancing Serial Killer alongside Ryan Gosling. I think that would have been cool. Yeah, but I do love both. I think they're fantastic, like, people and actors and actors. Like, I think that they're they're both so good and they're they're great and they're like great together. Mm-hmm. Like, I always like watching them um, act together. But yeah, so I will say when I said I hated it, that was very strong. That was just like classic Angela Marandola exaggeration. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would be open to giving it another chance for sure. What is, I didn't know you liked musicals. Do you have like a, a favorite that comes to mind? Oh man. Um, let me see. I, I do love singing, singing in the rain. Um, and yeah. an American in Paris, both by Gene Kelly. Um, oh, My Fair Lady with uh, Audrey Hepburn and uh, Rex Harrison. That's also a favorite. Um, for sure. For for more modern ones, definitely Dreamgirls. I absolutely love Dreamgirls. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, I love the cast. I love uh, Jennifer Hudson's uh, rendition of And I'm Telling You I'm Not Going, which she earned that Oscar. And and I... Oh, I'm... Yeah. And I love uh, Eddie Murphy in it as James James Thunder Early. Uh, he was so good in it. Like he should have won an Oscar, but if it wasn't for Norbit, damn, he, he would have gotten that Oscar if it wasn't for Norbit. Uh, um, right. Oh, that sucks how that happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like um, yeah, Dreamgirls is a favorite. Uh, Moulin Rouge, Sweeney Todd. Oh, I love Moulin Rouge so much. I think it's I think it's underrated. Hmm. I think so too. This is why Moulin Rouge is kind of underrated because I think that it, well, it's like postmodern, you know, AF, which is, I just like, I love that, but I all, they're like mashups and medleys are just so well done. And I feel like, especially my sister, um, who's younger than me, when we watch Moulin Rouge, I think she learned a lot of like classic rock history through Moulin Rouge like there's so much present and Mm -hmm. so like she would know Elton John from Moulin Rouge and then when she'd like hear Elton John outside of that she's like oh this is like the song from Moulin Rouge it's like yes so it's like a good gateway drug to like rock and roll history uh Mm. but I yeah I love it and I love that story that's yeah, that movie is freaking great. I feel, I haven't I haven't seen it in a, in quite a few years, but oh my god, is it's really really good. It it is. Yeah, it, it's it's such a delight. Like I that was the first musical I've seen where they used um it took place in like the late 1800s and then like it, they but they use like modern a modern soundtrack and I'm like at first when I saw that I'm like I'm like oh come on this is not gonna work like what wow, that's ridiculous and then I watched it I'm like oh man I was I was I was swept in I was swept in I was like man. I was I was singing yeah. that uh like I I was nodding my head to that um their their rendition my Maya's rendition of um Maya and Christina Aguilera and Patti LaBelle oh yeah um their rendition of um oh gosh what's that song I know the chorus you know Lady Marmalade Mar- Lady Marmalade yes uh that um Jim Bro- just seeing like a Jim Broadbent sing like a virgin by Madonna yeah. <laughs> that was something else. Oh, man. Such a good movie. It really is. It is such a good movie. I love it so much. I um, There's one, uh, as far as, like, have you ever seen, speaking of, like, controversial figures, uh, Everyone Says I Love You, the Woody Allen movie? 
I haven't seen that. So I feel like I'm the only person in the world who has ever seen this movie. And I have, I have a copy of it and I had to buy it like in Italy when I went, because I cannot find it here. And I found a copy in Italy. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's like his musical, like, like first one, like it's very like Drew Barrymore is in it and Alan Alda and Goldie Hawn and Natalie Portman. And it, I mean, it's older. I can't remember the, the year, but it's, it's a musical and mm. it's really just like fun and kitschy and like totally like most of the things that he does, like a total, like New York love letter type of thing vibe. Uh, but that's one of my begrudgingly, that's one of my <laughs> favorite kind of like film musicals for sure. I um, was watching this or had like the sound of music on in the background the other day. And I was like, these songs are great. Like they're really smart and really, really well done. Like the sound of music is like 17 hours long. Uh, <laughs> but the music is just really like it's it's timeless. And like, I mm. love this. This is just so good. And I think, you know why I was watching it, which is very weird, like a weird train uh, is I was watching the HBO documentary about the Heaven's Gate cult. And apparently they like loved the sound of music and used to like remix the songs from the sound of music. Really? Yeah. And they would sing them together and they were all, yo, I never knew this. So like the main, I forget his real name, but the Heaven's Gate guy, like I'm sure you're, you like seen him with like the gray hair and he's like, older. His mm -hmm. name was Doe. And it was like off of the Sound of Music song, like the Doe a Deer, like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was the weirdest shit. I was like, I've never knew about this connection ever. And like Disney just always gets real creepy sometimes, like with the <laughs> things that appropriate it and like just take it on. Um, but that is that is a great one. I have like a lot of this sounds like incredibly like hipster weirdo, but I have like a lot of musicals, like film musicals on vinyl. Like they sound real cool and they're just like old and really like I have Mary Poppins. I have like a lot of the older, so like Disney ones. Um, but a lot of the ones that you mentioned too, like my fair lady, that's a great one. Like, I mean, my gosh, you can't really, I, I can see why people don't like them, but I just find them so enjoyable. Oh, like yeah. I really like, I get so much out of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Like just just seeing like um just seeing like the it, it, like for me musicals are perhaps like the most joyous uh, genre of film. Like um and, and just seeing like uh just seeing like and especially if an actor is like uh, a, a natural dancer like if they've been if they're like a dancer by trade um like when you especially when you see like the, the classical musicals like um like from gene kelly or even like going back to like the 30s with uh, fred astaire and ginger rogers like swing time yeah. and top hat um those those are those are some really cool although top hat's a little problematic with the blackface number uh but we won't get into that uh but but uh but um but yeah just just seeing like the artistry like seeing just seeing how well they moved and and in the and then when you watch um, like Fred Astaire and, and Gene Kelly, for example, like they were direct inspirations of Michael Jackson, you know, and and like uh, and 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 even 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 other countless uh, uh, dancers, singers today, like they probably have studied like the classics as well, and you know, and it's and it's truly timeless. Just seeing just seeing those numbers, those dance numbers and songs, like they're, they're re they really stand the test of time, I think. 
totally. I love yeah. them so much. I like feel very like anytime anything kind of comes out for the most part, there are some that I've missed throughout the years. Um, like I did not see cats. That's on the list though. That's like on the <laughs> list of like some like, movie to watch that I know I've not met a person who's enjoyed it. Uh, but that's on my list of like, should I just like get real drunk and watch cats one night? Like I might, have, we might have to do that. <laughs> I might have to do that. But I, um, did you see that by any chance? Just like out of sheer interest? Uh, I did not. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely one of those morbid curiosity, uh, films, but, um, I've, from what I, from what I understand, um, like the visual effects were reportedly unfinished in a couple of scenes to the point where I think there was a scene where Judy Dench's character, like you, like you could see like a ring on her finger on like on her actual hand that wasn't made up, wasn't covered in with the CG. So then I guess the studio that produced it had to re-release it in theaters in this, like in like the next weekend or so with the finished visual effects. And um, I think, I think some fans are trying to be funny. Like they wanted to see, um, I don't, I don't know if it's in the final film, but apparently they they wanted to see like the CG cat buttholes, I guess. Like they wanted to they wanted more, yeah, more anatomically correct humanoid cats. And it's like, um, I, I guess it's just people trying to be weird and meta and ironic. I don't know. It was it was weird to me. <laughs> no, it yeah. I, I know that I will see it. I know that I am in no rush. But it's just one of those things. It'll be like a night where I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to watch. I'm going to spend like 15 hours trying to like searching through all the streaming. I'm just going to settle on cats mm -hmm. and uh, I'll give you a review. Yeah. Oh. I'll give you a complete, re a thorough review. I'll throw it on the wall and we'll see what you can do with it, Vic. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can fashion a nice cake out of it. <laughs> you frame everything so well. So I, I, I put all my trust in when it comes to my cast review so incoming so i have uh taxi driver and uh cats mm -hmm. and uh five bloods yeah it's gonna be great yes absolutely. very well and a very well-rounded list oh yeah oh yeah indeed and i also have <laughs> a i also have a couple of a, a actually two more recommendations i i'll recommend some pre-2020 films some older ones um one i really recommend I actually this is the first time I watched it this year and I'm glad I did um it, it caught my eye I'm like oh okay this is, sounds interesting let me see what's it, what it's about and I really enjoyed Ooh. it it's a it's a film called it came out in 19, 1992 and it's a film called The Public Eye so it stars uh Joe Pesci and Barbara Hershey um The Public Eye it's really interesting um it's a film where uh, Joe Pesci he plays this um it takes place in the 1940s, and he plays this uh, this crime scene photographer um, um, named Le Leon Bernstein, or, or Bernsey, as, as he's called. And so, like, he mm. he goes to like different um, like crime scenes, and he t and he photographs like the body, but he but he but he views his his, his craft as his art. So he like he would um, kind of like like alter like um, like uh, like placement of certain objects of like the of the victim like the placing like a hat on the victim's head for example trying to get just the right mm -hmm. angle and he's trying to sell sell his pieces to um like to some some sort of reputable art book uh art book publications but they reject his his work and um and then um he 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 gets he gets he finds a tip uh from 
um, Barbara Hershey's character, who's like this owner of this nightclub, and who he has also feelings for. And so, uh, so Barbara Hershey's character kind of uh, lures Joe Pesci into into um this into this scheme which involves like these mobsters, and like um and um, this this black market scams and like this this budding mafia war going on, and um and and uh you know despite his better judgment he's like well you know since since I since I'll I'll do this for you I'll 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 do what I can I'll use my investigative powers powers to see what's going on and dig deep and get the scoop for you, and like he finds himself mixed up in this turf war and like and and at the same time is like, you know okay I'm in deep but I see a lot of opportunity to really really ply my trade here as a as a crime scene photographer, so it's really interesting to see where the film goes with this character and. And of course, um, I also love the. Um, I also really liked the, um, the 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 score for this film uh, for this film as well. Like the score was by Mark Isham, and um, mm. and and the score for this film was was really terrific. It has that that old classic fifties noir uh, uh, soundtrack feel to it. So it, it's it's definitely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so it's definitely worth watching. It's the it's called the Public Eye. Um, obviously, obviously it's on Blu-ray, but you might be able to find it. You can probably rent it online, like through Amazon or somewhere. Um, and one more film that I do recommend. It's a film that I watched for the first time this year, and it came out in 1998. Um, and it was it was it was a it was a true delight. It's it's violent. It's gory. It's it's a uh, if you're a fan of Alien, Alien or Predator, you'll probably enjoy this one. It's called Deep Rising. Um, have, I, I don't know if you've uh, have you seen Deep Rising? I have. Yeah. Oh man, I, I saw it for the first time this year, and um, man, I really enjoyed it. It was a real treat of a film. Just a a luxury cruise ship invaded by a invaded by this 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 underwater parasite which is just laying waste to all these bourgeois you know bourgeois capitalist money-grubbing leeches and then you see uh this motley crew of pirates and mercenaries trying to you know trying to get the loot you know trying to get you know trying to get some get some money and then all of a sudden you know they're they're they have to fight for their lives as well. It's got a great cast too. I really like uh, Treat Williams. He was a great good lead. Uh, Famke Jansen, West Studi, uh, Jaiman Hansu was in it. It was it, it was really enjoyable and and I and I I didn't expect I, I didn't expect it to be that gory too. It was like seeing all these like giblets and like red and bone. I was like, oh man, I feel right at home here. So. Deep Rising, <laughs> so Deep Rising was something that that I that really tickled me. I, I enjoyed the film a lot. Yeah, no, that that's a great one. That's just like a that's a super. I feel like that goes that kind of flies under the radar as well. Mm. It, like movies in that genre, I feel like you don't hear about it a lot, but I think I just kind of like happened upon it one day, and it's just like it's super fun. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Especially if you're a fan of Alien, then it kind of has that same structure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, those are great. Those are great recommendations. I think that Joe Pesci movie sounds like I probably saw it in 1992. Like I probably <laughs> watched it that because it sounds very, very familiar to me. But I know that I, I haven't seen it recently, but I, I love everything that he's in. Mm. So I would definitely check that out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. Any other uh, any other films on your list on your on your radar or recommendations? No, I don't think so. Uh, 
no, I, I mean, I saw a lot I out of the, my 72, I would say that most of those have been, were pretty good. It's my record. My track record is pretty great. There's nothing that I saw that I like super hated or despised or a couple of weird, like very B horror movies, like very gory, strange, stupid, um, that I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but I'm, I'm fine with the fact that I saw them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to everything that's coming out on Christmas day or around then, uh, Wonder Woman is coming. You won't be able to see that, right, Vic? Oh no, I'll see that. I have HBO max. Oh, that's right. That's coming on HBO. That's right. Yep. Yep. I can't wait. I'm very much looking forward to that. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also looking forward to um, Viola Davis's and Chadwick Boseman's next film, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh, um, yeah. I read about that today, actually. I was like, I yeah, that, that looks fantastic. So I'm, that's definitely something that's on my radar. Yep. Yep. That, that's that's one. Um, a few recommendations I'll, th- I'll throw you away from 2020. Um, there are, and, and I take it you have Amazon Prime as well, Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a there's a film anthology series by uh, director Steve McQueen. Um, he also directed like Twelve Years a Slave, um, Widows recently. Um, it's called Small Acts, and it's a an, it's actually a f- anthology of five films, and um, the fifth one is coming out this Friday this Friday, um, and and they're really good. It's it, it's it's a film anthology series which focuses on um, the experience of um, of 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 black British uh, citizens uh, throughout the decades from like the late sixties to like the nineties. And, oh, cool. um, and like the, and you can see the first four films in the anthology. So the fifth and final ones come out this Friday. So there's uh, oh. mangrove, which is, which is excellent. It's actually one of my favorite films this year. Uh, mangrove uh, lovers rock, which was like a, it's like, it's like a about an hour long. It's like a really cool house party. Um, uh, Red, White, and Blue, which stars uh, John Boyega, which which was actually the true story of uh, Leroy Logan, who was um, uh, a black uh, police officer in, in in London, who was who was um, who was probably among the first to try to integrate uh, the um, the police police departments in in, in the city. Um, there's also one called Alex Weedle, which came out uh, last week. I haven't seen that yet. And there's uh, the fifth and final one called Education coming out this Friday. So, um, oh, cool. yeah. So if you haven't heard of the Small Axe uh, film anthology by Steve McQueen, definitely check those out. They're all on Amazon Prime uh, or Prime Video. Um, there's also, um, yep. And uh, two more. There's also uh, Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed. Uh, that that came out last Friday. That one was really good. So he plays a uh, Riz Ahmed. He plays a, a heavy metal drummer who's starting to be starting to go deaf. He's losing his hearing, and then he's like trying to adjust to his new reality. Um, and then the film does an excellent job of sound design as well. Um, and then last but not least, there's a, a sci-fi film, a paranormal sci-fi film, which takes place in the '50s called *The Vast of Night*. Um, that one was very interesting, very well, very well shot too. *The Vast of Night*. Um, Why have I never heard of it? That sounds like exactly like something I would love. <laughs> yeah, The Vast of Night. I think that one I would like to get your opinion on that one. It's, it takes place in the 50s, and it's about this um, – it takes place in this, in this small town, and um, there's this, um, this this radio DJ, this disc jockey, and then there's uh, – and, and his friend, and, they're, and they 
they come across this mysterious alien transmission and they're trying to investigate it and the film's full of like these sweeping long takes and it's 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 very well shot too yeah and and it, and it really draws you in yeah. oh cool i'll definitely check that out that sounds great yeah yeah so yeah yeah definitely check cool. check those out um and uh yeah and as we're wrapping up here cuz we clearly, clearly we could we could we can like rock and roll with like so many other recommendations, but, uh, but there's always, there's only, there's only so many hours in the evening. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we'll wrap up with, uh, with our final segment here, um, uh, called the codex retrospective. Um, so like I've, so since I, since I, um, since Carl's hiatus, I've been adding, I've added this uh, feature to the podcast to Victor's Corner where I look back on different uh, film, video game, and even a bit of wrestling uh, uh, events and releases from years past. So, so this week's uh, Codex Retrospective, um, there's uh, eight, eight pieces. So there's three from film. Uh, so uh, our first retrospective takes us back to December 14th, 1990. So yesterday marked oh. so yesterday marked the 30 year anniversary of Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Oh wow, that that's yeah. a movie that I watched this summer in or in I keep on calling just all of quarantine summer, but <laughs> that that is one that I watched recently. That's yeah. crazy! Oh my god! Wait, you said 30 years? Yeah, 1990. Yep, Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder. What the shit? That's cr- it's crazy to think about. Like, when did I? Because I would have been five. So I'm like, when did I see Edward Scissorhands? I thought I saw it like as soon as it came out, and maybe I did. But wow, that's wild. Oh yeah, yeah. It's still still a lovely film too, man. Like like just Johnny. Depp's, it really is. Yeah, like when he's. No, he's. He's great. Like the whole like the the range in that. Like, Winona Ryder, and I had this conversation with somebody this summer, is, like, delightful, but not the best actress. Like, sometimes she really can be, like, very good, and other times you're just like, ah, we love her for who she is and what she represents (laughs) and, like, how long she has been, like, in our lives, which is, like, my entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she, I think she's very good in that, and I think that, like, yeah, but, like, the performances are just so good. I always forget that it gets, like like really dark like at at the end like there's just so many things that happen like him being accused of like sexual assault and just it's really like it's like a heavy it's heavy but oh my god it's so good it it holds up for sure oh yeah for definitely um so yeah it's also a good christmas film too or holiday themed film Um, yeah yeah and then um our next retrospective goes back to december 13th 1996 in which we saw the theatrical releases. Both films came out on the same weekend. Uh, we saw the theatrical releases of Jerry Maguire and another Tim Burton film, Mars Attacks. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, um, Jerry Maguire. You know, Cuba Gooding Jr. was so good in it. Show me the money. Oscar-winning performance. Um, of course, with that classic line, "You complete me. You had me at hello." <laughs> It's all great, and I I I love Jerry Maguire. I there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that movie for me. <laughs> so oh, yeah. so it's, it all works. Oh, definitely. And Mars Attacks is also a delight too. I mean, with that ensemble oh, really, cast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you got 
if you don't if you don't like Mars Attacks, you need to lighten the fuck up because <laughs> it is just be fun. And you shouldn't expect you shouldn't expect uh, more than you should from that movie. And uh, but it's yeah, no, that's great. I haven't seen that in years, but mm. really, it's it's so it's so funny. Oh yes, it is. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also we're going back to twenty years ago, December eighth, two thousand which saw the theatrical release of Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Love it. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah this, and fun fact, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it was among one of the first films I saw uh, in theaters. Did I see it in theaters? No, no, no. Um, no, no uh, I was going to say, like, the one of the, the, actually, the first film I saw at, at uh, Providence Place Mall when it opened was Gladiator. Um, but Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I saw it in the same year on DVD. But yeah, it's a, this year is the 20 year anniversary of that film. Wow, I think I think I saw Crouching Tiger. I I'm pretty sure I was in school. I think that was another like school film that we watched for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I so like shout out to Situate High School for <laughs> really <laughs> educating me on the important things. Um, but I yeah no I. That's a great film. I love it. I have not seen it in years, which is like kind of disturbing because it really I remember like enjoying it so much. And um, it's, I think I feel like it's a very easy watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like I wonder if like young people are discovering it today. Like in the, I'm always curious about that. Like mm. are like kids in high school watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. They should be. They should. I don't know if they are, but they should because it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Yeah, and um, and going to the video game front, we got three here this week. Uh, December fourth, nineteen ninety one, uh, saw the release of Super Castlevania four for the Super NES in North America. Oh, so great! I was, I'm such a fan of those video games. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Castlevania. Castlevania is great. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Super Nintendo. My favorite console still to this day. Mm. That's a good one to think about. Oh, absolutely. Like, Super Nintendo had, had all the games for, like, for every stripe of gamer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep, Castlevania Four came out. Definitely one of the most beloved uh, uh, titles in that whole series, in the whole franchise. Um, totally. Yep. Also, uh... December 10th, 1993, saw the release of Doom for the MS-DOS, um, the, the first-person shooter that revolutionized the whole first-person shooter genre. Um, it began with Wolfenstein 3D, but then id Software also created Doom, and Doom really, it really uh, shaped the FPS genre uh, to what it is today. Um, Doom, uh, classic game, still holds up. Uh and also, um, also I have, I'm also a fan of the uh, the reboots which came out um, in 2016, and then there was one uh, this year with Doom Eternal for the PS4, which is high octane demon shooting. It's so good. And then, uh, and then uh, December 1994 uh, saw the arcade release of the classic fighting game Tekken. So that's ah. so that's when Tekken launched. Um, and it's still, still, still with us to this day, like, uh, 26, 26 years later. That's wild. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, how, my God, that's so crazy to think about. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Piano tech, fantastic. My sister used to go crazy playing that. It's really funny. Wow. I really appreciate this retrospective. Oh. <laughs> I, love, I, I, love, I, love, I love nostalgia and just like ruminating on simpler times. So this is, I appreciate this very much. Oh, oh, thank you. Much appreciated. You're welcome, Vic. Yeah. And... And also to wrap up, um, just two more two more retrospectives. This time in wrestling, uh, December eleventh, twenty seventeen, and December 9th, twenty eighteen. Going to New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Evil, the tag team of Evil and Sonata, winning two consecutive New Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag League tournaments. So they were the winners of twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Um, since they've since broken up, um, Evil. Evil has been a former um, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and Intercontinental Champion, um, having lost it back to Tetsuya Naito. And speaking of uh, New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom is coming back uh, in a couple, in a few weeks, January fourth and fifth, two night event. Um, yeah, so so that's something to look forward to. And sure. yep. And last but certainly not least for this week's retrospective, we're going back to December 11th, 2014, which saw NXT TakeOver Our Evolution, which was the third TakeOver show. And that the main event for that show was Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville, now known as Pac in AEW, for the NXT Championship. And that was a that was a damn good match, which in which Sami Zayn won. Yeah, have, have you seen Yes. Yeah. Yep, have you have you no, seen I- I've seen it. Yep. That's no, that's a great. I love Sami Zayn. He's yeah. wildly talented. Yeah, that was like I thought that that it's funny because it's it hasn't been around too long, but that was definitely like the golden era of NXT. Mm. Yeah, like like NXT, like they've never put out a bad takeover show. Like they've had up to now like thirty two takeovers, and yeah. and they've all been uniformly great. No, they're it's so and i just like i remember when it like first kind of came online and it was just like the wrestling was so different and the stories were just it was like a whole i i feel i remember like feeling excited about wrestling again and i think a lot of people felt that way mm-hmm. it was like oh man i was like the best to like think of i'm just glad that it exists yeah because the takeovers are phenomenal oh yeah if you're not that into wrestling it's always like a hard sell but I would recommend watching some of those because mm. they're just really fun to watch. Like you'll see some cool shit for sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like, like, uh, NXT, like that, that's the one, uh, WWE, uh, brand that's consistently good. And like, there's, there's like li- very little nonsense on there. It's like, there's nothing going on, but simply good wrestling. But at the same time, NXT is depressing because when you see how Vince McMahon handles those talents, when they get called down to the main roster, Raw and SmackDown, it's disheartening. It's disheartening. Like, like what they're doing with Keith Lee, like, Keith Lee is a phenomenal talent. Like, he's a former, he's like the first guy to win simultaneously the North American and the NXT championships. And then you bring him up. And and and, and you, you change his music, you change his ring attire, and then Vince McMahon. I don't know if you heard this. Vince McMahon apparently threw a fit backstage recently, and he, and he claims that Keith Lee needs to go back to the performance center for more training. <laughs> I know I did hear that. I love that move. What the fuck? Like he's. I will ne- could never begin to under. I can't begin to understand 
what is wrong with him, like, or Mm. what his reasoning is or what, like, and everyone hated that music change. Like every, like nobody thought that was a good idea. It's like, they love, he loves to take things that fans love Mm -hmm. and rally behind and just destroy it. And then humiliate his talent. Like that's so humiliating to be like, you need like, nope, he's pretty, he's pretty perfect. Like as far as an athlete goes, like I don't really know what else he needs to work on. Yeah, like like he's had so much experience in the indies too, and that's how he got his, yep. you know, got his recognition. And then like in NXT, he was doing he he had some great matches too with um uh, Dominic Dijakovic, who's apparently a T bar T bag whatever his name is, and that god awful group Retribution, which oh yeah, oh my god, like like I don't I don't know if you're familiar with the with that website wrestlecrap.com. Um, yes. Um, like every year they have that uh, Gooker Award, which awards like the worst gimmick or worst storyline for for the, the current year in wrestling. Like mm-hmm. I, I I don't see any other winner except Retribution this year taking that Gooker Award from WrestleCraft.com. I'll be very surprised if anything else takes that award, because good gravy that how how yeah oh my gosh <laughs> like like watching WWE like. Like, like that. That's why, like, I, I, I got, I got to give credit to like our, our, our fellow uh, podcast uh, guys and, and friends of our show, U, the UWO podcast, because like, shout, shout outs to them because, because th- they're a wrestling podcast and they, they have to watch mm-hmm. Raw and SmackDown every week to talk about it on the show. It's like, you know what, you're, you're doing the work so that I don't have to. So, <laughs> big ups to y'all, because I can't sit through three hours of Raw. Oh no, it is real. And I have a bunch of like a bunch of friends who, who watch pretty consistently and they'll text me they're like, Oh, did you watch, did you watch Raw? I'm like, uh, I missed it. You can give me like the highlights or like the bullet points. or like, what are the things that I need to know about? Cause I, I still watch, um, like similar to you and your dad, the, like the pay-per-views mm-hmm. and like the big shows, but I don't feel like super compelled to watch raw religiously like i once did i just don't really see the point nothing yeah. moves or changes and if it does it's very bad so i'm just like mm-hmm. uh i'll just hear about it from other people who are doing god's work and watching it <laughs> for oh, you yeah. and me Vic. <laughs> it's oh, perfect. Yeah. oh yeah for sure <laughs> but yeah um but yeah we are we are over the two hour mark here so we'll we'll kind of um we'll kind of like close up shop here so uh angela uh thank you so much once again uh for yeah for, for joining me on this uh podcast talking shop about films it's been great and definitely got to have you on again and we definitely got to uh reconnect uh especially once the pandemic clears and it's safe to you know go outside <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll look forward to that for sure. Thank you for having me. It was a, it was a good talk. I feel like it was, this is like a very good catching up experience. Like we really covered some ground here. So uh, I feel very thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, and also, uh, lastly, do you have anything to plug uh, for our viewers and listeners? I don't. I don't have a thing to plug. I am just, uh, no. I wish that I did. I um, but no, I'm I'm good. But thank you for that that space. But yeah, no, just I'm I'm just me. If you want, if you hear this and want to talk more about 
you know, whatever we discuss today, I'm totally open to that. Human interaction is very important to keep to keep going during the um, the uh, pandemic. So, uh, yeah, hit me up if you are interested. But other than that, I think I'm good. Awesome. Right on. And uh, as for, as for uh, as for me, you can catch uh, all of our episodes of the Codex Prime podcast and Victor's Corner uh, up uh, nearly every week on Facebook Live Tuesday evenings around eight ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can also catch all of our episodes on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, where you can hit us up with that five star review, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Google Play, iHeartRadio, um, I believe Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you can find podcasts. Um, you can also follow me uh, on Instagram at Victor Omoyo, where you can uh, see uh, posts of my uh, films from my film collection, as well as uh, every Friday I have a feature called Do the Film Thing Fridays, where I post uh, four film recommendations uh, from filmmakers of color, women, um, LGBTQ filmmakers, as well as international features and independent films. Uh, so it pretty much co- covers a wide berth of uh, unique films that, uh, that you may or may not have seen. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it on my end. So once again, uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Once again, thank you, Angela, for uh, joining me on the podcast. Uh, and as always, we will catch you all on the flip. Peace out, nerds. <laughs>